We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 11. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. And we talked about last week that Greek word is sarks, and it means external or human nature. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. If you've been freed from the law of sin and death, somebody ought to shout amen. Blame it on the transformation. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but the Spirit. Verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds. I want you to underline that phrase in your Bible, set their minds. Next week we're going to be talking about transformation that changes our mind and our thought processes. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit... By, by inference, it says, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity. That's an old King James word put in hostile. It's hostile towards God. It's an adversary against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh, the human nature... Things that are external cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. I believe the Spirit of God dwells in some folks here this morning, don't you? And that's what Daryl and Daniel are challenging us to do. Take what's in us and share it with those around us. Get out of this building. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And then I love verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That's transformation. It doesn't happen through positive thinking. It doesn't happen through self-determination. It doesn't happen by self-help books, courses, and internet lessons. It happens by the Spirit of God dwelling in you. That's the way we see transformation in our hearts and in our lives. So I told you last week, I want to tell you again, the entirety of the gospel is about transformation. About changing you and I from what we were to what we should be. What we were originally created to be. Seeing the essence of God in us and letting the essence of God come out in you and me. That's transformation. But we also know it's human nature to fight change. We resist it. We war against it. We argue with God. We avoid it. We stay out of church. I mean, if God got a hold of somebody last week... Some of them aren't here this week, I can tell you, because I've looked around. They're fighting change, fighting transformation. But you heard the words this morning. Miss Edbury said that we have no reason to fear, but rather we need to sling the rock and go after the giants. 
And then Bill told us very clearly when it's with a spirit of humility, we sow the seeds that God has given us. God blesses that. Humility is not something that's normal or natural in the natural mind or in human nature. No, we're proud, we're puffed up, we're boastful. Look at what I have done. When God is really saying, I want to get you to the place where you forget yourself, you see me and let the blessings and the goodness and the mercy of God flow through your life to touch somebody around you. Until that happens, until that happens, we're just like the other 500 plus churches in Tallahassee. But when that happens, when we get it, And when we allow the Spirit of God to do something in us and then through us, when true change occurs and transformation happens, then those who have set the world upside down have come hither also, is what they're going to say about Tallahassee. It's time for you and I to recognize God wants to change us. Max Dupree said it, it's in your notes again this week, we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. So this morning, I want you to reflect through the rest of this message. What does God want to change in me? What needs to be transformed in my heart and in my life? How does God want to make me different than I was yesterday? How does God want to make me different than I was at 9 o'clock this morning? What transformation needs to occur? See, your part isn't making it happen. Your part is surrendering to the Spirit of the living God and saying, have your way in me. Oh, you can say, I have decided to follow Jesus every day of your life, but until you submit to the presence of the Spirit of living God, that's not going to happen. You're still calling the shots and following your own self and doing what you desire to do. Last week, we talked about the fact that condemnation, when we live under condemnation, it removes our sense of purpose. When we live under condemnation, it also removes our identity. Do you understand today that when you're born again by the Spirit of God, you become a child of God? Your destiny changes, your future changes, the way you look at life should change because that's what transformation does. I'll never forget years ago, I was doing a work over a period of months in a portion of Chihuahua, Mexico. The city was called Cuetomoc. They had a very large German Mennonite population. Interesting thing about Quetomuk is those individuals, actually their forefathers, had fled Germany as Hitler came to power and the Nazi regime began restricting religious liberties. And they moved to Quetomuk, which is high in the Sierra Madre Mountains, and established their village there. But over a period of time, they became very introverted and inbred, and they lost the essence of what God wanted to do in their lives. So when we were there building churches among them, doing crusades and revivals among them, and seeing them come out of that bondage of religion. Can I say it that way? I just did. That bondage of religion. And seeing their lives transformed. Their eyes being open. You see, in that group, they had the largest percentage of incest of any group in Mexico. Now think about it. It was a a church group. Religious people. But fathers doing unspeakable things to their daughters, all in that cloak and context of religion. Hear me, folks. I say it almost every week. Religion will just send you to hell. It won't get you to heaven. You need to come to the place where you know and understand. It's God by his spirit moving in me that does something in me. And when we come out from under condemnation, we begin to recognize our true identity. 
Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, I like that. That's what Paul said in Romans too, didn't he? In Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new, the King James says, creature. The newer versions say creation. I like creation because that tells me it's not just a matter of remodeling what's already there. It's a matter of taking it out and giving me something brand new. A new creation. A new creation. That means when you come to Christ and live in Him, your identity changes. You're a child of God. You suddenly realize, I'm bought with a price. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are His. Because you're in Christ. He tells us we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart unto God. That's what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, we're a branch and we're connected to the vine. He tells us he's the vine. Now you understand that if the branch doesn't receive life from the vine, there's no life in the branch, right? Listen to me, I'm telling you, a lot of folks have disconnected from the vine. A lot of folks have settled for the religious experience rather than the redeeming power of a living Savior that flows life in and through each one of us. It's time to come back and attach to the vine. To be a part of the vine and let the life of Christ flow in and through us so that He changes us and as a result the world around us sees Jesus in you and me. You know, the world is in a mess today, and I I hear it every day. We've heard it this past week, terrorist attacks, people shooting people, black on white. And we talked about that last week, and I'm not backing up from anything I said. If we want to solve the race problem, it starts right in the church. It didn't start in Washington, D.C. It doesn't start at the state capitol. Governor Scott can't solve the issue. Only Jesus and an encounter with him that changes the heart from the inside out destroys prejudice and bigotry and hatred. And that has to start in the church of Jesus Christ. And let me say it again. I have no time. I have no time and no patience For somebody who wants to say, well, we're a black church or we're a white church. No, I want to be the church of Jesus Christ. And the church should look just like our community. I am thrilled to be here and to be your pastor because I know that regardless of your color, you're a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And the only way our world is going to change is if you and I take that message of redemption and reconciliation to those who don't know him. It's our challenge. It's our responsibility. It's up to you and me to do that instead of pawning it off on the government. If you haven't figured it out by now, the government will not solve your problems. They will not fix your issues. They will not uncomplicate your life. Matter of fact, the reverse is actually true. See, because you're depending on the system of man rather than the system of God. Now, I'm in no way discouraging you from being involved in government, from voting, for exercising your rights. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. You will not change the world through a government system. It only changes through Jesus Christ. And it's up to you and me to be ambassadors of that change, to be messengers of that change. It's up to you and I to take that message to those who don't yet get it. See, in Jesus' ministry, you can read it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He repeatedly confronted the Pharisees. He repeatedly spoke to them. Matter of fact, his harshest words in the Gospels were towards the Pharisees. 
Now, you need to understand the Pharisees actually started back during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah when Jerusalem was being rebuilt and the temple was being rebuilt after the Babylonian captivity. They were a group who were established to protect the law and to protect that relationship with God. But they kind of went to the extreme over a period of years. They got to the place where they said, really, maybe the Ten Commandments aren't enough. Let's build a fence around them so we don't even come close to breaking those. And so they set up 200, get this, 285 things you had to do to be righteous. I can't remember two things. How could I remember 285? Don't look at me like that. You're the same way. And they said there are 365 things you cannot do if you're going to be righteous. They built a fence around the commandments of God. And then they they never ever said that you have to be one of us to be righteous. But over time, they begin to think we have the revelation. Over time, they begin to believe what we believe is really the only way and the only truth. Do you all hear where I'm going with this? I'm telling you, you rub shoulders with folks every day that are in the church world that are convinced you're going to hell because you're not in their church. Can I tell you that's a... Sorry, the okie almost came out of me. Can I tell you that's absolutely an abomination in the sight of God? He did not say if you go to this church down the street and you confess Jesus as your Savior and their pastor baptizes you, then you get to heaven. No, that's not what the gospel tells me. And I am so glad that Daryl made the point this morning. It's not a matter of do they come to church here, but it's a matter of getting people into the kingdom of God and into a local body to be trained and discipled and equipped and sent out to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. So anytime somebody tells me I only go to this church, boy, my antenna goes up. My radar goes up. My alert meter goes up. And I want to say, do you really know how stupid you are? Do you really understand that's not the gospel? The gospel isn't for white folks in middle class America only. The gospel isn't for black folks in Tallahassee, Florida only. Gospel isn't just for Chinese folks in mainland China. It's not just for Hispanics in South America. The gospel is for everyone who believes and calls upon the name of the Lord. And there's no church name over that. Come on, folks. Some of you need to get free this morning and recognize, I didn't plan to say this, but this is where we're going. Some of you need to get free this morning and recognize that the things you were taught in that church when you were a child were not right and you need to cut them off and walk away. Someone said to me this morning, you're not wearing a suit. No, I'm tired of playing the dry cleaner. Is that all right? I told you last week it's so hot in here it qualifies as the first layer of hell. This morning is better. It's better. But it's probably better because I'm not in a suit and a tie. You see, we need to understand we have all these traditions that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, you will strain a net and swallow a camel. A camel. Because you are bound in your traditions. You're bound in the laws you have added to the gospel. Oh, listen to me, friend. People get nervous when I begin to say strip off the religious traditions because what's going to happen, they think, are people are going to go wild. No, they will not because I've got news for you. When you live in and under the grace of Jesus Christ, sin will not abound. Craziness will not be present. But the grace of God will guide and direct your life and he will honor your commitment to him. Somebody needs to get free this morning.
I don't know who you are, what you're struggling with, but whatever grandma told you may not be right. If it's not in the book, shed it. Get rid of it. It doesn't matter if the preacher wears a tie or not. Doesn't matter if you don't like it, I'm still going to do it. You need to, thank you, Sheldon, just get over it. I was almost there, but you beat me to it. Just get over it. See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yvonne and I, after we went on that forever walk yesterday morning, thank you, Daryl. Hot, humid. Someone said to me, well, you'll get used to the humidity. I'm here to tell you, I've been here, this is my third summer, and there ain't no getting used to this stuff. It's just miserable. It's miserable. It's miserable. That's why we have air conditioning, amen? I can't imagine growing up in Florida without air conditioning. Some of you did. God bless you. You know what hell was like already. After that marathon walk we did yesterday morning, Yvonne and I went home and cleaned up, and then we went to a little restaurant down the street to have breakfast at 11.30 in the morning. Kind of against my nature, but I'll do it every now and then. Breakfast is at 6 a.m., amen? Not at 11.30 in the morning. So anyway, we went to this restaurant. We walked in, and I recognized a lady right in front of the door, sitting down to eat. I knew I'd seen her in church, couldn't remember her name. I know sometimes I do that, forgive me. I said hi to her, introduced myself to her husband, and we sat down at a table right beside them. And as we began to talk and share a little bit, Yvonne said, she, she knew, I told her, this lady comes to Christian Heritage, but she had never meet, met her. She said, have you been to Christian Heritage? What's your name? Introduce yourself, started the conversation. But he said, yes, but I don't go there anymore. And I knew I hadn't seen her in a month or so. Because I bring my grandkids, and they make me walk from the front of that building to the back to drop my kids off. And I just am not going to do that. And I'm thinking, ding, 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 ding. I'm going to be nice. Something's wrong with that picture. So Miss Keturah, and she's already out with the kids, but some of you can, oh, there you are right there. I looked right over the top of you. If we have somebody that can't walk that far, let's put them at the front door on the golf cart and carry them back there. How about that? Let's relieve every excuse so people come into the presence of God and their lives are changed. Someone said, well, I don't like the fact the bathrooms are clear at the back. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't build the building. Let me get you a wheelchair and we'll wheel you back there. Do you hear what I'm saying? So many things that are, that are a part of our character, our thought process that keep us from experiencing what God wants us to experience. That lady was touched mightily by God when she came here. But I guarantee you, the enemy of her soul being speaking into her spirit and into her mind saying, you can't walk that far. Oh, come on, folks. If I'm going to get the word, if I'm going to be in the presence of the king, if the Holy Ghost is going to do something in me, I'll walk three miles for that experience. I'll drive three hours to let God do something in me. Oh, it's time that we broke off casual, comfortable Christianity. There is nothing in the gospel that's about comfort. Matter of fact, it's about conflict. Between my nature and what God wants to do in me. And only one is going to win. And I hate to tell you this, but many times in the church, it's not God that wins. It's us. And it's our human nature, our external circumstances, our flesh that rules the day. Some of you get upset if I say, uh, 
some crazy, okay expression. I kid you not. This is a true story. Not long after we came, I made this statement, I don't care if it hair lips the Pope. That's an okay expression. I didn't realize that was highly offensive in North Florida. Get over it! Because I don't care if it hair lips the Pope. If it's wrong, it's wrong! Come on, somebody, we need to understand there's so much stuff that we allow to control our lives that robs us of the transformation God has already planned for us. You see, sometimes for transformation to occur, something's got to die. Yeah, you like that, don't you? For transformation to occur, something has to die. And what has to die is my will and my opinion and my way and my tradition and my religion so that God can rule and reign in and over and through my heart and my life. Oh, blame it on the transformation. So we didn't know he was getting a crazy man when you came. Well, you do now and you're still here. Blame it on the transformation. Kind of reminds me of the guy that went into a mental facility, a psychiatric facility. Asking the director, what are the requirements or criteria for someone to be admitted here? The director said, well, we fill a bathtub up with water. Then we give that prospective patient a teaspoon, a teacup, and a bucket. And tell them to empty the, empty the bathtub. The guy said, oh, I see. So the normal people use the bucket, right? Because it's bigger than a teaspoon and a teacup. And the doctor looked at him and said, no, normal people pull the plug. You want a bed by the window. See, that's the way we are with church. This is the way we've always done it. It's the way we're always going to do it. We resist change. See, John Maxwell says people change for three reasons. Number one, they hurt enough they have to. Everybody in this room has been at that point where you refuse to change until the pain becomes so great you had to do it. Can I tell you, that's not God's plan. That's not God's way. That's not God's will. He doesn't intend to punish you or inflict pain upon you. That is not what God wants to do. Don't be in that category. Matter of fact, if you're hurting today and God's talking to you about change, why don't you just submit to him and let him do it? Why don't you just surrender to the spirit of God and let him transform you this morning? He goes on to say people change when they learn enough they want to. That's one of the reasons we do Wednesday night classes. Do you realize that? If you're not coming on Wednesday night, you should be. And if you're not, oh, here you go. You're resisting change. I don't care about numbers. I couldn't care less. I care about your life being transformed into the image and the likeness of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we come and we sit and we listen and we learn so that we can change. If you want to know how the Holy Spirit works in you, go to Ann Gleaton's class because she's doing a class on Holy Spirit in you. If you're having trouble with finances, go to Eddie Foe's class. But he teaches you principles about handling your finances in a godly biblical manner. And on and on I can go. If you want to be determined and stand in your faith, go to the Nehemiah class and hear what the Word has to say. See, we need to understand when we learn, we have the ability to change. And then the third reason people change, he says, is when they receive enough, they're able to. That's resources, supplies, knowledge, whatever it may be. Do you know why we're doing the food pantry every Wednesday? Because I want people to receive enough they can change. 
I want them to know and understand that there is a church in Tallahassee that cares about me. And if I never come to a Sunday morning service, I'm still going to get food on Wednesday. Do you all hear what I'm saying? We have wrapped the gospel in so many conditions. We have attached so many tripwires that we disqualify people. I don't care if they never come back. I want to feed them because Jesus told us to feed them. Amen. Transformation. Transformation. I hear you back there, Jesse, but I'm not quitting. Transformation. We live in a lawless society. And the only way it will ever change is through the power of God working in and through our lives. I mean, think about your own struggles. Think about the things you wrestle with. Think about the things that have been difficult for you. As hard as it is to change the outside, it's even harder to change the inside. As you know, we went to Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. When we're on the road and with our kids, we do things we don't do at home. We eat like we don't eat at home. Came back and I'd gained five pounds. It's a little tough at my age to get rid of that five pounds. You know what I'm saying? But as tough as it is to get rid of the outside, it's even harder to change the inside. So ask yourself, what would I change about me if I could on the inside? Consider this list of suggestions. And I only put four lines in your outline because I didn't want you to get depressed, all right? But every one of us have four things we need to change, at least on the inside. Would it be impatience? And I'm right there. I love God. I worship God. I praise God. But God can make it happen yesterday instead of 10 years from now. I'm not a patient person. Help me with impatience. Would it be a critical tongue? Would it be envying those and what they have around you? Would it be a spirit of discontentment? Nothing is just ever good enough. Nothing is just ever right. It doesn't matter how God blesses you. You just need more. Discontentment. Would it be anger and resentment? Many deal with that. You burn me once, shame on you. You burn me twice. You know that expression, don't you? Anger and resentment wells up within us. How about uncontrollable sexual temptation? It's a real thing. That's why we have so many issues with pornography in our current society. Because something needs to change on the inside. How about fiscal mismanagement? I can't pay tithe, Pastor. I've got too many bills. Fiscal mismanagement. Go to Eddie Foe's class. How about a guilty conscience? You don't know what I did. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how I lived. What I do know is through the blood of Jesus Christ, that can be erased and forgiven and never held against you again. How about a tendency to look down on somebody else? I have a master's degree. I have a doctorate. You didn't even graduate high school. You don't need to be in the same circle as me. Looking down on others. How about pride and arrogance? Look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Look who I am. Look at my last name. I have a heritage. I have a tradition. I'm old Tallahassee. Let that old stuff change. How about a prejudice towards others? You may come into a church that is ethnic mixed, but you don't really want to be a part. Can I tell you like I did last week? It's time. That you found somebody that doesn't look like you and take them to lunch once a month. Find somebody that doesn't look like you. Find someone from another culture or ethnic group and build a bridge of relationship so that change can begin to occur in this church and then in our world. Until you do that, it's not going to happen in your hearts. Would it be a quick temper? Would it be discouragement and depression? 
Would it be an ungrateful spirit, a disorganized life, the inability to say no, a mean streak you can't get rid of. You can go on and on and on and on. The list is endless with things inside of us that need to change. But here's the key. We can't do it. We want to do it. We desire to do it. We know we need to do it, but we can't do it because change is hard. And it requires a power greater than ourselves. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 3, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. The law can't change you. It just tells you you're a lawbreaker. The law can't transform you. It just tells you you're a mess. But what the law could not do, God did. Somebody say that. God did. God did. God did. God did. Oh, folks, it's already over. It's done. All you've got to do is come to the cross. Bow your knees. Submit to the power of the Holy Ghost. Because God already did it. Because he wants you to be transformed. He wants me to be transformed. He wants us to be conformed to the likeness and the image of his son. Set that video up. I want to show it to you. Transformation can also be translated metamorphosis. Go ahead and play it, and I'll pick it up later. As you watch that video, there are several things I want you to notice. Number one, caterpillars cannot fly, but they were born to fly. They were born to fly. And when that metamorphosis takes place, that caterpillar does a very unnatural thing. It chooses to hang upside down by its tail. And then from the inside out, it begins shedding its skin. It begins turning from a caterpillar to a cocoon. And out of that cocoon emerges a butterfly. So listen to me. Listen to me carefully this morning. And understand that metamorphosis or transformation reveals the character of what God already put in there. God already put in you a seed of eternal life. He put in you a desire to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You may be a sinner today, but I'm telling you through transformation, you can walk out a saint. You may be a deviant this morning, but through the power of Jesus Christ at work in your life, you can walk out a son of the living God. You may be hell bound because of your lifestyle, but you can leave on the road to heaven because Jesus Christ has already placed in you the seed that is necessary to make you a child of God. Stand your feet with me, heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room this morning. When that caterpillar enters the cocoon, it emerges as a butterfly. But I want you to understand the basic nature doesn't change. Rather, what was already in that caterpillar becomes the butterfly. God's already put it in each one of us today. A desire to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The seeds of eternal life. The seeds of sonship. All we have to do is put ourselves in an unnatural position, confess our sins, that's very unnatural. Ask Him to forgive us our sins, that's very unnatural. And allow His power to work from the inside out because transformation is always an inside job. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're in this room this morning and you have been caught up in traditions. Traditions that haven't served you well or your family well. And because of those traditions, you thought you were okay 
and you're going to make it into heaven. But this morning you realize that's not the truth. Well, you're in this room this morning and you walked in a sinner. You know you're a sinner. Everybody knows you're a sinner. But you don't want to be that way anymore because the Holy Spirit is talking to you about the transformation that can occur. Or maybe you walked in this morning and you have no hope whatsoever. You've been told you are, you are the bottom of the barrel. You are the scum in the bag. There is no hope for you at all. But God is speaking to you, telling you there's an opportunity through His Holy Spirit to change and to see transformation in your life. So across this room this morning, God's speaking to you about allowing Him to change your life, to transform you, to do something new in you, to make you what you are destined to be. That's you across this room. I'm talking to you. The Holy Ghost is talking to you right now. Would you simply raise your hand and say, pray for me, preacher. That's me. I need some transformation. Yes, sir. Someone else in this room. You'll join. Yes, ma'am. Someone else. You'll join these who are raising their hands. I need some transformation. Anyone else? Just wait just another moment. Just slip up that hand and let me see it. I need some transformation. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Just wait another moment. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? I need some transformation. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Anyone else? This is your opportunity. God has designed this moment for you to be changed. So wait another minute. Anyone else? You'll raise your hand and say, pray for me. I need transformation. From side to side. Clear. Yes, ma'am. Clear back into the risers. Anyone else? I need to be transformed. Every one of you who raised your hands, lift your head, look directly at me. Yes, sir. Lift your head, look directly at me. There's nobody else looking around. It's just us right now, okay? And we're just talking. I love you and God loves you. And more than anything, He wants to change your life this morning. He's already placed in you what's needed. Now all you need is the power of the Holy Spirit to to germinate, to water, to bring it to life, and to remove the old and to bring in the new. So if you're looking at me, step out from where you're at and come and meet me right here. Come on. You need some transformation. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.